got a great sound tone to play, you know. Just, uh, uh. Hello? <laughs> Have you ever snubbed a lady? Um, we had a technical problem. Are we on? Wait. Yeah, <laughs> we're on there. Can I swear? <laughs> Shit! I love doing this podcast. I love it. And sometimes I get to chat to old friends or colleagues who I've shared a pint and a muff with many times. And sometimes I chat to people who I've never had the pleasure of meeting before. I think I like these occasions even more. In this episode, I chat to someone who definitely falls into the latter category. My chat with Dixie was one of my favourites ever. He's got a million brilliant stories to tell about each place that he's ended up at. Like how he didn't have anywhere to live when he got a gig at Hallam, so moved in with a boss, then turned up at his house in the middle of the night, slightly worse for wear. There's the station he blagged a a 7am starts on his breakfast show and nicked every other show's content as he listened on his way into the studio. And the time that he went to rest his eyes for just a couple of minutes during a show on Galaxy. I think you can guess what happened next. Of course, it contains adult content, strong language, and maybe an experience with the Rock FM ghost. Let's crunch and roll. Oh, yeah. Dixie, how are you? Yeah, good. You all right? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you so much for uh, for being on Crunch and Roll. Um, an absolute pleasure and honour. I've been listening to them, so um, I'm, I'm glad I've become part of this history of people's careers and therapy sessions. That's what it kind of feels like as well. I, I genuinely think it is mainly therapy sessions, yeah, um, mm-hmm. because it brings back the happy memories, but it brings back the sad ones and the anger to a lot of people, as well, <laughs> which, which we love, which we love. Now, we, we were just uh, we're chatting off air. Um, do you know, before we get on to where you're from, I can't remember if we've actually physically met before. I think we've been in the same rooms, but I don't think the dog's involved, by the way. I don't know if you can hear my cockapoo, Freddie. Um, I don't think we have. I don't think we've had a proper sit down or, or drink or whatever. Yeah. This is ridiculous. That's great. <laughs> That's just got a cat and you've got your dog. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Lockdown dog. Can you tell he's well-trained? He's not. That's, that's the problem. All right. So you're from Cumbria. Yeah. Although I like to keep that a secret, but it's fine on here. Like for the purposes of, of being on air in Yorkshire, where I've been on air for the majority of my career, I, I don't make a big deal about me coming from Cumbria. But yeah, that's where it all started. But not historically the best showbiz opportunities in Cumbria. So I had, I had to get out pretty quick. So where did your passion start then? Um, I was thinking about this the other day and I think I couldn't figure out as a kid whether I wanted to be like on stage, star of the show type thing, or whether I'd be quite happy behind the scenes. Cause I was always interested in like theater and music and I like getting my hands on equipment. Do you know what I mean? I, I was happy touching a mixing desk when I saw one of them for the first time. I was like, oh, this is good. What does this all do? And I couldn't figure out whether I wanted a career in like, the technical side of things, or I wanted to be like a star and famous and all of that. And I grappled with an early age thinking, what do I want to do? Do I, I like showing off. I was always being told by my parents. It's the worst diss you can ever have from your mum and dad. <laughs> Stop showing off and it hurts. Um, yeah, I, I was good at that. And I enjoyed playing up a bit, but I also thought, oh, I just like to create. And the, the, the penny dropped when um, I went to see a Radio 1 roadshow with me mum in Bowness on Windermere, the Glebe. So the big Radio 1 truck rolls into town. Mark Goody is on. And I figured out, ah, right. So he's on stage with a microphone and the crowd's going crazy for him. But then he was sat down and playing the music and he was touching a mixing desk. So he was doing both. And I thought, ah, right. That's 
that's the key. Maybe that's what I should do, be on the radio. And I liked I liked listening to the radio. I wasn't like a proper radio geek at that point. It happened in, in subsequent years. But that was the moment I saw him in front of thousands of people. You remember what the Radio 1 Roadshow was like back yeah, in the day? It was amazing. huge. Yeah. Everyone had come out. Um, and he was there like introducing Scatman and JX <laughs> and all this. Um, uh, and I think I actually got, I can't remember that, that first time I saw him, I got on stage playing Bits and Pieces, which was just huge. It's like, hey, what's your name? Where you come from? Hi, my name's David. And I'm from Kirby and Furnace. <laughs> Screams. But I never won Bits and Pieces, unfortunately. But that was the moment. That's where it all clicked for me. I thought, ah, shit, right. Thousands of people. You're the star, but you're also playing the bits and, and, and using all the equipment. And that was the point I thought, right, yeah, I'll be on the radio then. That'll be good. So in Cumbria, where do you start? You had the Bay, which was in Lancaster, which is quite far away. And you had BBC Radio Cumbria, who had studios in Carlisle, which was like still 90 miles away from me. And then a little kind of other studio base in Barrow and Furnace. So through a bit of work experience, I did like my school work experience at the Bay in Lancaster, which was an eye opener because like I'd never been to a radio station before, like a proper radio station. Um, and I remember on my my first day there, I turned up. What are you when you do work experience? About 15 something? Yeah, I don't yeah. think I was even 16 yet. So I've gone in there um, and I was sat on the front desk and the MD, I can't remember his name. I can't, it might have been Julian, I'm not sure. Walked in, just looked at me and went, who are you? I went, oh, I'm, I'm David, I'm on work experience. Well, wear a shirt tomorrow, you look a mess. <laughs> and walked off, right? And that was my first day. First day, work experience at the Bay. Second day, so I've been hanging around in news a bit. And I was like, right, um, we're going to send you out of the studio now so you can sit in with one of the DJs. So I just w- walked in the studio. Bear in mind, I'm, I'm 15. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I walk in the studio. I sit down and the jock goes, what are you doing? I went, oh, they've, just, they've told me to come and sit and watch. You're not watching me. Piss off. <laughs> I was like, right. <laughs> This sounds like a nightmare because my kid's just about to go on work experience. I'm like, please don't let it be like this. And then I think for three days, they sat me in a Comprod studio, um, logging like PRS information into a spreadsheet. <laughs> and, and that was kind of that. So it was exciting, but it wasn't what I'd dreamed like, ah, oh, the radio is going to be. There was a lot of admin and I got shouted at a lot. From doing that though, as I continue kind of like, school into college i got in at the bbc and i got a proper job answering the phones on a weekend which i get paid for in carlisle for like 20 pounds or something that was fun that gave me access to the studios up at radio cumbria so i could go in and mess about and everybody's got these stories when you're let alone in a studio that's where you start experimenting and you know figuring out if you can do it so i did that a bit on the weekends and then worked every morning on the breakfast show in Barrow, they used to do a, a doubleheader. One was in Carlisle, one was in Barrow. And it was my job to kind of like get the sport cuts together and print off the scripts and that for sport and do some travel bits and give that to the presenter. So I do that every day before going to sixth form. So I was knackered, I was tired, but I saw that as a, you know, a proper way in. But at 16, 17, that's, that's what I was doing every day. I've got a question. So being in Cumbria, did you... Because John Myers um, has been mentioned a few mm. times on Crunch and Roll, absolute legend of the game. Uh, did you did you know John Myers? Did you work for John Myers being in Cumbria? No, not at that age. It wasn't until I I met him at Real when I went to Real, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But John, yeah, was 
was lovely to me when I was at Real. When I was young growing up, I didn't know much about the radio landscape. The only thing we had back in the day, if you remember, was a little pocketbook that listed all the radio stations. Was it like a Radio Authority handbook or something? Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're like, oh, that's that's where that is and that's where that is. Because there were shit loads of radio stations back in the day. This is where, like, when I was growing up, I was like, I could go anywhere. Like, the world's my oyster. Look at all these radio stations. Um, so I hadn't really heard his name when I was younger. It, it was only till later um, that I met John, worked for John, and, and obviously great mates uh, with his son, Scott, who's who's beautiful. I love that boy. Yeah. Now, um, we're going to get on to, to, to your life in commercial. So you do a bit of BBC Radio Cumbria. Um, and mm. we, and as we always do, myself and Simon, the brains of this outfit, we, we do a little bit of research. Now, for you, Dixie, we've got a load of stations written in front of us. We're just not sure where they fall in chronological yeah. in order. All right, I can't say that okay. word for some reason. So, where did you get your first commercial gig, professional gig? First proper gig. Uh, I, I presume we're bypassing AA Roadwatch. My first proper gig. <laughs> we don't have to, I, Dixie. If no, you no, want no, to. no, 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 no. I used I used to do the travel in Stockport slash Cheadle when I was at university. That was my first paid on-air gig, right? right. So that. That would probably go first. It was the Buzz 97.1 in Birkenhead, what used to be MFM. So it was rebranding from MFM 97.1 to the Buzz 97.1 in Birkenhead. I was still at university at the time, but I'd done a few RSLs at university, student radio kind of thing, um, which was shit and no one listened to. But I got I got some tapes out of that, sent it, sent them across to the Buzz, um, and they gave me evenings. So that was my first like proper on-air five days a week evening show out of Birkenhead. So that's that's where I started. So where, this is MFM turned into the buzz. Yeah. It's interesting. Every time we do a Crunch and Roll episode, we chat to the people at the end and we stop recording and they go, right, who have you got coming up? And we say, uh-huh. and they go, we've got stories on them. Now, yes. um, we mentioned to somebody who, as of yet, hasn't recorded a Crunch and Roll episode, but somebody um, who you know very well and somebody who loves you, uh, Russ Morris. Mm. Russ Morris. Yeah. Um, mm. So he's given us a load of stories. But w- when you were at MFM Stroke the Buzz, is that where you met Russ? Russ, was that where, did you meet, was Griffo there as well? Hey, man. Um, yeah, he was in Wrexham. Russ was in Wrexham. Um, around my time, Dave Bethel was there as well. So they, we were part of the same group, but right. geographically, we were. I was in Birkenhead. Those boys were down in Wrexham. Yeah. So, but we, we'd meet now and again. So, so tell me about your time at The Buzz. When you get your first professional gig, I mean, how, how did that feel? Loved it. And I thought I'd won the lottery because I was on £35 a show every day. Um and I remember, like, I had nowhere to live at first. So I was in, like, a little bed sit in Birkenhead, which was pretty ropey. Then I got friendly with one of the guys that was working at the Buzz. He was a sales guy. And we both made a ridiculous move to rent a flat in Priory Wharf, Birkenhead, which is kind of like Albert Dock, but on the other side, so cheaper. Um <laughs> And we couldn't, we couldn't afford it, but we thought we could. It was like, yeah, I'm going to make loads of commission. You're going to start DJing in the clubs and that as well as the radio. So we got this really swanky flat, but couldn't afford any furniture to put in it. So swanky flat, but inside looked like student digs, but was a great place to bring girls back to. Do you know what I mean? It was like, oh, we live on Priory Wharf. So there was a bit of that going on back in the day. Um, Cause I was like, I'm on the radio. This is great. I would, I would roll around Birkenhead. Uh, with me Buzz 97.1 puffer oh, jacket on. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Oh, no, it gets better. It gets better. 
Because we mate, we mate Malv at the time, he'd wear one as well. And we drove around in a branded Buzz oh. 97.1 Ford Cat, because they'd just come out. Right? <laughs> and we thought, we thought we were the dog's bollocks. Because like, if you know the Wirral at all, like out towards kind of West Kirby, the coast and that, on a hot day, everybody had like head out to the beaches, like over there and the pubs and that. And we'd roll in with the jackets on. And I swear to God, looking back now, it's proper cringe. But we'd roll in the pub. It's like, here, we're on the radio. Anyone want a drink? And it, it was, <laughs> it was pretty ropey. But that's, yeah, that was the thing. But you know, when you got your first gig and you think, you know, I had no responsibilities. I had no kids. I had no girlfriend. I was just like, we were, yeah, we were pushing it a bit. I think looking back, just acting cool, acting like the big dog. <laughs> I, I remember when I was at Viking and I got my first sponsored car with Astor BMW in Grimsby. Um, and it was a lovely one series, nice motor. And I had my name on the side. And I thought, like you, I thought I'm the dog's nuts here. And then yeah. I pulled up at some traffic lights and I thought, I'll just look at the bus, which is parked next to me. And as I looked up, there was this old boy with a flat cap on just calling me a wanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that used to happen all the time. Like sponsored cars. I had them through my Rock FM history. And I, you know, you drive around thinking that people were waving at you. They weren't waving at you. <laughs> it, was, it was just essentially it was like take the piss out of me might as well have that written on the side of the car but yeah free cars though I want it we're free yeah, cars absolutely absolutely we're having a park hey oh yeah now, um, during your time at The Buzz, there's a few stories which I previously mentioned which have been provided to us by our secret squirrel, Russ Morris. And nice of him. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to give you the headlines and then you give us the stories if you're happy to share them, Dixie. Of course. Um, it, the first thing Russ says is, is, is ask Dixie about the singing lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, I wish I wish. You've, got, you've got red. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's nothing suspect. It sounds like it, it could be. It, it's, it's quite innocent, actually. So I, I can't remember why this was a thing. In the Wrexham studio, you could override any other studio. You can play stuff over people's shows. So I'd be on air sometimes, right? And to take the piss, either Russ or Dave Bethel, primarily Russ, would just play weird shit over my show. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't, I couldn't take it off. I couldn't ignore it. So you'd be halfway through a link or whatever. It was just, the singing lady was just a sound effect of a door opening in a shop and a bell ringing and a lady coming going, la, 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 la. It used to drop this in just at random points during a show <laughs> over the top of what I was saying. But it would make me crease because I'd never know when it was coming. Um, you know, obviously the listener doesn't understand that I have no control over this. So it's like, I'd have to make a thing about it. Oh, singing ladies back in. Anyway, and do you know what I mean? And you, you, you'd, it'd take you completely off your, your train of thought. And he'd, he'd play other sound effects and bloody cow noises or whatever, just to take the piss. It was funny. It, was, it probably was quite annoying for the listener looking back, but it made me laugh a lot. It made Russ laugh a lot, but you never knew when it was coming. It could be, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think Russ would be in that day, but sure enough, <laughs> halfway through your show, Door opens, bell rings, la, 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 la. In comes the singing lady. He hasn't got Sheldon James's birthday balls as well, has he? Um, we've got something about hundreds of ping pong balls. Yeah, that'll be it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to do the birthday balls on the breakfast show, which um, had a ball in, like with numbers on, that if your ball came out, you won the birthday thing or whatever. 
But I think it was, I, I can't remember who poured it on who, but again, during a link, just tipped the whole box of ping pong balls over. It made a lovely sound on the radio. Here's the thing back in the day. We just used to have fun. I, I don't think there's as much of it around as it used to be. Do you know what I mean? If I was playing weird noises over somebody else's show right now, I'd get told off for that. If I threw the birthday balls over a presenter during a show, I'd probably get done for that. But we were young. We were having a laugh. Yeah. It's fine. It's nobody, nobody died. That's that's what I used to say. So um, is it true that you, Russ, and Bethel once spent 10 hours in an all-you-can-eat buffet in Chester? <laughs> <laughs> 10 hours? Yeah. Yeah, it might be. I, I, this this would have been around the time, I think the millennium was about to hit. We were supposed to all do a show for the millennium on 1999 into 2000 across the network of, of the marcher stations. Um, but we'd been hanging out and we'd gone to, I think, Stringer's Nightclub in Chester. And it was during Red Bull and vodka times. And we'd all had a bit too much of that. And I think I was sick out of the window of the nightclub. Then went on air the next day and told this story about what had happened. And then suddenly I was off, I was off the, the New Year's Eve show. It was like, nah, you've offended, you've offended one of the clients because Stringers is a client. So we can't, we can't trust you on the network on New Year's Eve. So I n- never ended up doing that show with them. Um, that's, that's when things turned a bit sour and I was, I was gone pretty much after. But you, you don't think about it. I thought it was a funny story. But, you know, being sick out of a client, of a nightclub client's window, you know, wasn't, wasn't the tone they were trying to set. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's go on to Hallam. So Hallam is next. And yeah, I mean, Hallam, we've, we've chatted to a few people from Hallam and it was always one of the stations that I would have loved to have been part of because, you know, it, it sounded like a real family, very similar to Viking. Um, yeah. I mean, you got fond memories of doing stuff at Hallam? Absolutely. Um, I spent a lot of time when I didn't need to be in there, just being in there because I liked it so much. I was still only about 19, 20 at this point, And I just used every moment I could just to be in there and soak it up and work on stuff. So I was like, I was doing evenings. So I'd go in in the day and just put some bits together and, you know, make some funny cuts of songs or whatever. Um, but you're right. The kind of family atmosphere there was great, but it was also the fact that everyone was so good as well. Like you had Daryl on the other week and his breakfast show was ridiculous. You know, he talks about how hard he worked on that. And I saw that firsthand for like someone like me coming up in the game, seeing how you do it properly. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, I worked on stuff with Daryl over the years and he works hard. Like he would spend hours and hours and hours on a little bit that'll get played maybe twice the next day, but it'd have to be right. So that was a big, um, yeah, a big education for me, seeing how you do it properly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I started thinking, okay, well, there's a bit more to this. It's not just turning up and winging it. Do you know what I mean? You can make some real effort and, and create some decent radio. So that was an education. Hersty was doing her thing. Again, great to watch and learn um, from people like that. Um, but I was I was alone in Sheffield. Do you know what I mean? Like I, my only friends were people at Hallam, really. Um, so I, as 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 other people have said when they've chatted to you, there was a great family vibe there because we all had one common goal, and that was number one, getting drunk. Number two um, <laughs> was you know making some decent radio. And everything was cool. I remember that when I first got there, Anthony Gay, he put me in a hotel for a few days and I had nowhere to live. 
after, you know, the hotel was running out. He said, well, come and live with me. So I actually lived with the PD um, for a couple of weeks, which didn't go particularly well. Because I remember I'd been there, I'd, I'd been living there for a few days and I'd gone out around Sheffield with Catboy. Don't even remember that yeah, name. Yeah, bloody hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's over in, uh, in Dubai or something like that, I think now. And we'd gone out uh, to the lead mill and got drunk and got into a fight, not with each other, but he'd got in a fight with somebody in the club, which then ended up with me getting punched in the face and my, my glasses breaking and all this kind of stuff. And Catboy just did one. And I had no money. I'd come out with no money. I think we were getting a cab home or whatever. So I'm stuck in Sheffield. I'm like, right, I know where I need to go. I need to go back to the PD's house, to Ant's house. But I have to get a cab there, but I've got no money to pay for the cab. So it's the early hours of the morning. Imagine this, right? You've just started working somewhere and you're waking up your boss who, <laughs> who's, you know, graciously let let you stay with him for a bit. I had to wake him up and go, mate, I'm sorry. I've, I've been in a fight. <laughs> I've got no money. Have you got any money to pay for the cab? So it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I have. I'm not sure I've got any cash. And I think, you know, people have like um, a jar of like five peas or coppers or whatever. I think I had to copper up from my PD's, you know, change fund to pay for the cab. And it was like, oh, this probably isn't a good look. But yeah, it was it was nice that he let me stay there. But yeah, Hallam was great. I enjoyed it. Did evenings. It was it was beautiful. It was a great time. It's always sunny in my head. I don't remember wet and grey days at Hallam. It was always sunny. Um, it was always fun. Um, and yeah, looking back, I don't think I was that good. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't that hot. I was still my voice hadn't developed properly. You know when we all listen back to ourselves. Oh God, yeah. And for some for some reason, we're all up here. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> everybody's the same but yeah I, I think it was fun and it, it was a great learn and yeah I really enjoyed my time there but also ended up um, marrying the newsreader which was exciting so that's this is where the other part of my life starts Lynn was a newsreader at Hallam we got together and yeah that was the start of our relationship and getting together with her she'd got a job at Radio 1 down in London and I was like okay well, maybe, maybe I follow you down then and maybe, maybe I come down south. And that was, that was the next move following her, really. So where next? Juice Brighton. <laughs> which, Brighton's um, cool though, isn't it? I like Brighton a lot. Yeah, it was lovely. Like, we, we were living in West London. We are sharing a house. There was me, Lynn, a couple of other journalists that worked for the BBC. And yeah, I, I did breakfast on Juice Brighton. A masterstroke. I managed to negotiate the breakfast show to start at seven. Right? How? I don't know. I think the <laughs> argument was, <laughs> I live in London, so I've got to drive down. So it's like, can we start at seven? And they were like, yeah. And this was genius for a number of reasons. Because number one, I didn't have to get up so early. Number two, I'd, I'd get the first hour driving down to Brighton of everybody else. So I'd listen to Bam Bam on Kiss on the way down. Kind of go, oh yeah, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> it kind of like, It's like a little early morning prep thing. And then I'd get to Brighton on air at seven. That studio in Brighton was fucking wild. It wasn't like technically the best studio. It used Encodad as the playout system. Shout out to Encodad if anybody remembers that. It was like a weird touchscreen thing. I remember one night, this is a great story, like jingles were firing off in the night and no one knew why. Turns out it was a moth that kept hitting. <laughs> and firing stuff off, right? There was one morning I remember driving into work because it was an automation before we'd started seven. I was driving into work and someone, for some reason, had put on Enco Dad like 20 minutes worth of number countdowns, like number 40, 
Number 39. Number 38. The moth had fired this off in the night. So it was going when I when I got to work. It was just literally a countdown. <laughs> and I remember pissing myself going, oh, this ain't great. This ain't great. But yeah, that happened once. And I remember one day turning up for work to do the show. The station wasn't on the air. I, I, I tuned in on the way in. I couldn't find it. It wasn't there. We got to work. The engineer was there. I said, what's happened? So oh, someone's stolen the transmitter. We can't go on. Because <laughs> it was on, this transmitter was on the on some flats um, opposite where the studio was. Uh, so just pirate pirate radio people just nicked it. So we couldn't go on air for two days because we had to wait for a new transmitter. <laughs> and things like that. I remember... I, I, on air when the transmitter was there, I remember you'd be you'd be playing a song and suddenly things would go really quiet. Like like the Optimod had just given up or something. And this is when I first started. I was like, why is it doing this? So, oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a lady in the flats with a microwave. Every time she puts the microwave, <laughs> the station goes down a bit. <laughs> like, well, what are we doing about that? <laughs> yeah, well, sales are buying her a new microwave. <laughs> okay, fine. Do you know what I mean though? It was just, it was a small station. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get that anywhere else. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun time down there. It really was. Oh yeah. How many years do you spend in, in Brighton then? It was at least, it was a year and a half, two years. Breakfast was great down there. Just because it was so small, it just gave me a chance to just really mess about and learn a bit. Used to stay in Brighton once a week on a Thursday night because we do a live club OB. You remember them? They were great. Yeah. Used to stay in the Premier Inn. Brilliant. So been there about a year, a year and a half, two years. And what I really wanted was Kiss in London. I thought that that'd be the place to be because I'm in London anyway, right? Already. I'm listening to that station. I loved it. And I, I did a few demos for Kiss. I went into Kiss. And at one point in my head, I'd convinced myself I was getting a show on Kiss. I was like, this, this is it. You know what? You just feel it sometimes. And it, looking back, I was maybe, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit deluded. But I remember I just bought a car at the time. I'd bought a Golf. And you know newreg.com where you can go in and like yeah. get a personalized reg for your car? I'd saved K100 DJD, oh. right? <laughs> this is brilliant. I was like, when I get the gig, that's going to be my reg because I'll be on KISS 100 and my initials are DJD. So I had this like on me, on my laptop and, and this was the plan uh, I never got the number plate um, but doing a few demos at Kiss I got Rock FM on the back of that so that, you know wasn't right for Kiss but they were like oh um, breakfast show is going up at Rock FM Do you, would you be interested in that and I was like okay yeah that's, that's an email breakfast show that's kind of back in the north where I think you know, I, I wanted to come back to. London was great. And me, and me and Lynn had a great time in London, but I think we both figured out it wasn't somewhere we wanted to bring up kids. We wanted to either go back, you know, to Yorkshire or the North. But yeah, it was it was Rock FM that gave me the call. And yeah, ended up doing breakfast there. You mentioned doing a demo for Kiss. When I was doing breakfast mm. with Tom, we were invited to Kiss to do a demo. Yeah. And Tom's from London. It was his dream. And Kiss 100, when you and I were at EMAP, was just yeah. the absolute dog's bollocks. It was an incredible station. And I was like you. We, we both were like, oh, we'd love... I don't know what happened, but when I went into that studio, I, I just turned into somebody I'm not. I was going, yo, 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 it's Kiss 100. <laughs> I remember Tom looking at me going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know what I'm doing. It's interesting you mention that because there's something about... Yeah, once you once you find yourself in a studio like that, and I remember the studio, and I remember what it sounded like and what it felt like, you are different because 
It's just the surroundings. It's like sometimes when you put on a suit, you just stand up a bit different. When you get in a certain studio for a brand that maybe you don't work on, but you really want to, you are like, what's up? All right. <laughs> yo, 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 and yo, yo. You, <laughs> you do start, you know, be, being a bit more gangster than maybe you really are. I know. Um, yeah. It's weird that though, isn't it? It's, it's the same, you know, when you go into a big station and you sit there and you you just put the headphones on and listen to the process and it's like, oh, do I sound like this? Hello, one, two. You know, it's <laughs> you do sound different. Yeah. Now, Rock FM. So you go to do breakfast at Rock FM. Is this, are you on your own? to do breakfast or is this the the emap thing where they pair you up with somebody yeah so it was it was dixie at breakfast so um it, it was me um assisted ably by Gemma d who did the travel lisa who did the news um the producer i had for the majority of the time was uh, a guy called ian mcleod who was doing news at rock fm but then worked to get into producing he was on the show as well. So we'd all crop up on the air. They were a big part of it. It wasn't just me, but I think it wasn't, you know, Dixie and it was just Dixie at breakfast. Yeah, that that was great, actually. I remember when I got the gig and I, <laughs> Lynn came up with me to the interview and she dropped me off at the Rockin' Church. And then she picked me up like an hour later. She went, oh, I'm fucking living here. <laughs> <laughs> She'd jump around Preston for an hour. And I went, no, no, it, I don't know if it's going to happen. Anyway, as we're driving back, I think we had almost got to the M61. The phone had rung. It was like, right, we want you to do the show. I went, Lynn. She went, oh, no. <laughs> we, we found we found a nice bit of Preston. You know, no throwing no shade on Preston. But it's like, you know, coming from <laughs> nice leafy Shepherd's Bush, West London to Preston. It was a, it was going to be a bit of a shock. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great. The, the show, the show was fun. Um, but... <sighs> there was a point where it got really, really, really difficult. And this is when the PD decided we're going to do wind-ups. I can see you shaking your head, right? Yeah, God, yeah. Okay. So imagine the situation. You're doing a show and it's fun and it's lovely, but then it's like, right, you're going to do a wind-up every day, um, 10 past eight, every morning. That's what we're doing. Now, I've never really done wind-up calls. You've done like funny bits or whatever, but I've never done like full-on wind-up calls. So I'm like, right, okay. So we we came up with this concept. It was something called The Accused, right? Production was big. The Accused. And basically, for example, you would say to me, I I want to wind up. I want to wind up my mate, Steve. So you give me a load of information on Steve. Tell me what he's been up to recently. And we'll we'll concoct some weird stuff that that hire car that he borrowed, he owes five grand on because it was broken or whatever. So you'd give me all the bits about Steve or whatever. We'd write it. Me and McLeod would write it and script it and come up with all the possible avenues. Then we'd ring up, you know, the victim, go to town on him, you know, proper old Steve Pegg style. Who do you think you're talking to? Who who the fuck do you think you are? Ah!" It was all about getting them riled up. Absolutely riled up. And at the point where they're on the hook and they're riled, I go, right, I'm just going to have to put you through to my supervisor. Ordinarily, then you'd put them on hold and go, you got to speak to this dickhead here, right? And, and you'd wind up with even more on hold. Then I'd pass them over to you, right? And you go, hello, how can I help? And you do the reveal with the per- your mate that you've wound up. It's like, oh, you're a rock FM. Ha, 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 ha. They were funny. They were brilliant. But Jesus Christ, doing one of those every day yeah. was so hard. We'd be in the studio ordinarily till like two o'clock in the afternoon at least. So you do the show, script the next wind up, do it. Sometimes they wouldn't answer the phone. So you'd write another one. 
sometimes you'd record it, it'd be brilliant, and they'd say, you're not putting that out, right? Or sometimes it's just like, and I remember coming home and just collapsing on the floor like most days going, this is, this is two hours. I don't want to do this. I, it was really, really difficult. Um, and, you know, I got really miserable with it. And I'd like, I'd turn up to work. And I, it wouldn't be the show I was focusing on. Like, you'd get there in the morning, ready to do the show. You'd be thinking, shit, after this, we got to do all them wind-ups again. When we went to T10 FM, um, the boss there was like, you need to do wind-ups. And I said, I can't do them. Because I just end up pissing myself. Like, hello, I'm, I'm a plumber. And I'm, I'm not. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, do you know, for us, uh, and Tom, who I worked with at the time at 210, he did the wind-ups at 20 past eight, the big wind-up. And yeah. it got to the point where we just started using people in the office. And uh, we, we looked around the office and we were like, we've used everybody. Like, we've, yeah. they've pretended to be the wound up person. And we were like, it's game over for these. It was just mm. so much work. So I, I know you, you didn't have much love for the wind ups, but you, you must have had some, some memorable ones. <laughs> yeah, two really stick out. Um, one was a, a, a proper wind up, wind up. The other one was a Sean Paul soundboard situation where Sean Paul calls a florist to order some flowers. I don't know why, but that that was, you know, on a day where we couldn't, we, we were having no success winding up real people, we chopped up some bits of Sean Paul <laughs> yeah. and he rings a florist in London. That, that was some of the papers. The other one that really sticks out, we rang up a geezer and the, the, the situation was, it was his missus that was winding him up. Um, we were going to ring up him and say, his missus had crashed his new Mercedes or whatever. So that that was the shtick. But I I was his wife. I just put on a high voice <laughs> and rang up. So it's like, da-da-da, you ring up, he answers. Hello? Donna, it's me. Who? Uh, Donna. What's going on? I crashed the car. You what? Where are you? All right, and then I passed the phone back to me. Mate, what the hell? This this woman's just driving it back of me. Blah, 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 blah. She can't drive her. Where are you, mate? Where are you? Oh, we're just on Preston. You were. I'm leaving work now. I'm getting in car. I'm getting in car. Put her back on phone. And then I'm her on the phone. Oh, I'm scared. Right, and all this. And like, oh, the car, the car's really messed up. Don't, where are you? Just don't say anything. I'll be there in a minute. I'll be there in a minute. Um, and this guy is in the car and we keep it going. This guy's physically in the car driving to get to his missus who thinks has crashed his car. Um, and then I think, what else did we do? Oh, no, it, I can't remember the punchline, but we, I put her on the phone as herself. And, it, and she's like, Darren, Darren, it's fine. It's me. It's just a joke. You're on Rock FM. You're on Rock FM. Who's that other guy? I'm going to kick his fucking head in. <laughs> angry. But then you bring them all the way up and then they come down again and it's fine. Like the bleeps I remember on these windups were so tight. I can't believe we used to play them at, at like 10 past eight in the morning because it'd be, you know, it'd be like it was so tight. You could, you could obviously tell what 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 was going on, and like there was a lot of swearing. It was really these things were really aggressive. Like people were really really upset with you, but apparently it was funny back then. So yeah, Do you know, we there, we there were some good ones. We we did something called cross lines where I'd we'd ring two numbers at the same time and just record the the reaction, and it was it was it was good. It was entertaining for a bit, but we 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 picked these two random numbers and we rang it. And this old boy answered, he went, hello. And then this young lad went, hello. And the old man went, who's that? And the young lad went, it's Tony. And this old man went, Tony. And this young lad went, yeah. And he went, where have you been? Now, it turned out that the old boy had not spoken to his son for six months who'd been in the army. And his son oh, was called no. Tony. No, no, this no. old boy had convinced himself that his son had finally rang home. And I'm like, oh my 
God. Yeah. And, and the coincidences, like, for example, the son was in the army. This guy that we'd rang was also in the army. So I was like, yeah, I've no been way. away, yeah. And it just got worse. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. But it was golden. Absolute, oh, yeah, still played it out. Absolutely. <laughs> 20 past eight. Tease the fuck out of this. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah no duty of care back then. <laughs> no. And that, you know, there was a stage of about six months where I thought, nah, man, this, this ain't working. But it was. That was the thing. People loved it. And, like, the more you did, like, it it became quite famous. But I never really wanted to be a guy that was famous for wind-ups. And I, I, I just wasn't enjoying it at that point. And I was miserable. And you know what? It's like you've been doing breakfast for a while. You're just tired. You're emotional. And, yeah, I'm just trying to think what happened next. Oh, I went away on holiday with the missus to Florida. And uh, when we are out there, got the phone call saying, um, yeah, when you come back, you're not doing breakfast. Um, you're going to be doing late to see out your contract. It's... Why? <laughs> right. Well, I, I kind of know the reason why. It wasn't anything I'd done. The, the person in control at the time, I think, had realized he was maybe on his, his last legs in terms of, you know, successes or whatever. And my understanding was, you know, our figures were all right. They weren't the best. Do you know what I mean? The show wasn't flying, but he's looked at it and gone, do you know what? Let's do a personnel change. This will maybe give me another year to you know, the excuse that we're putting in a new breakfast show that maybe I can get away with, you know, stretching out my career for a bit. Um, yeah. That, that, so I didn't see it coming. The Rock FM holiday, they call it. Um, Dixie's Rock FM holiday. <laughs> <laughs> where you, where you, you go away on a Rock FM holiday, you just never come back. I'm going on holiday. Oh, yeah. And we never heard from you again. <laughs> but, it, so it, it ended, it ended pretty weirdly. Like I, I went away I had an agent at the time. I don't know why we had agents. Yeah. Did you ever have an agent? Uh, very, what was that about? <laughs> very briefly. Oh, do you know what? We had a we had an agent for about six months, and the, the yeah. only positive thing is we went around to London with him when we won NTL Best Newcomer, um, well, and, and we were just going, "Show me the money." That's we just kept yeah. showing, "Show me the money." That was the best thing about having an agent for us. Yeah, I mean, for anybody, I mean, look, I don't want to tar all agents with the same brush, but I just I didn't ever see the benefit. Do you know what I mean? And at one point, I think I was paying 15% of my monthly wage for no reason <laughs> on the hope that, oh, we spoke to somebody at Radio 1 last week. Brilliant. <laughs> was that was that worth all the money? But yeah, my agent had rang me up and said, yeah, um, when, when you come back, they want you to go on, on late. I went, when did you find this out? He said, oh, last week, but I didn't want to ruin your holiday. <laughs> so he, wait, he waited until week two. I was like, you could have told me, mate. You could have told me. Anyway, I got a little bit big for my boots on this occasion. I went, look, I don't want to do late. Get him to give me the money and I'll go and I'll find another gig like that. I'm coming off the back of Rock FM Breakfast. I'll slide into a gig, no problem. Didn't slide into a gig. Um, and for a year, at least, I was just, I didn't have, I didn't have a full-time show anywhere. And I was, I was gigging, I was gigging back in clubs again. I was doing cover in loads of places, Juice Liverpool. I'd done a bit of Radio City. Um, Viking at one point. So I was just, I was jobbing around waiting for, for the next move. And when was that next move? So it all worked, it all happened pretty quickly. Do you remember when the hits was just a DA, it was a DAB station, yeah. the hits. Um, they used to have Toulon on in the morning. So they'd repackage what he was doing on key and put that on hits or whatever. Anyway, Toulon was off for a week and I got invited to do the first ever live, live, live show on the hits DAB for breakfast. So I did that for a week and it was great. 
but nothing came of it apart from, again, I'd got some material because it was fresh material that, that I'd recorded and sent that off to Galaxy. And I got got a call back on the strength of that demo that week I'd done at the hits, different group, different station, sent it to Galaxy, but it, it had worked. Um, and I got invited in for a chat uh, at Galaxy 105 in Leeds with um, Brent Tobin, who was the PD there at that point. So do you do you end up doing gigs for for Galaxy 105? Yeah, he we had a lovely chat. He said, "Well, we'll we'll give you a run out um one weekend." I was like, "Brilliant." Uh so I did a like a Saturday there was a Saturday countdown type thing. I can't remember what it was. Like a most wanted type thing on a Saturday which I did in Leeds. And <laughs> that thing you alluded to earlier when you sat at a, you know, the studio you kind of always wanted to work in it was Galaxy, it was huge. And the process is great, so you yeah, you put on your different voice a bit. And I remember it, it sounding huge and I, I loved it. So excited to be on Galaxy. Did one show. It's like, yeah, that was good. We'll be in touch. And a few week, weeks passed and nothing really happened. Then they got me in to cover a few other bits. And it was Galaxy Manchester I got offered weekends on Galaxy Manchester with James Brownlow. Been doing that for a few weeks. That was great fun. Just about to sign a new contract for that to kind of lock me in. And he went, yeah, something's happened over in Leeds. You, you need to speak to Brent on the phone. Here's the phone. Now, I won't give too much away, but there had to be a quick personnel change at Galaxy because something had happened with one of the presenters. So something had happened in Leeds. He says, speak to Brent. I spoke to Brent. He went, Aya, um, I want you to come and do afternoons on Yorkshire one till four. And I was like, yeah. So this meant I could be in Yorkshire. I was on Galaxy full time. And I know this is a, a popular recurring theme for anybody who's worked at Galaxy and who's, who's done this chat with you. It was awesome. It was the best. It was the best place I ever worked. Probably the best place I ever will work. The vibe of it all, the people, the music, the lifestyle. It was ace. I think you've ticked all the boxes there. I mean, I've kept it no secret on previous episodes that I thought Galaxy 105 was brilliant. Everything about it was great. Just an amazing... And and I think think it was Lucho that said that in Leeds... Everybody listened to Galaxy 105. Oh, yeah. It was huge. Everyone, everyone listened. And every shop you went in and every car that went past you was <clears throat> playing Big Ange on Galaxy. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was always banging out. And when you were on it, it, it felt like you were riding something. This is a weird analogy, but it felt like you were just riding this beast. And I remember just smashing that RCS next button. You'd say something, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Bosh, next into a break and I mean, galaxy. And you just felt like, oh, fucking hell, this is brilliant. <laughs> but I, I also, I got to do the network show on a Saturday. I used to do a, a breakfast show on Saturday across the whole of Galaxy. And that was, that was mind blowing. Playing a split. So you'd, you'd, you'd press one that goes across Yorkshire, but then you'd listen acro- across Birmingham, you know, across the Northeast. And it was, it, you felt, you felt amazing. The, the, the one story that I probably shouldn't share, but I will. Um, I fell asleep once on the Galaxy Network. Uh, this was after a Dave Kelly night out. It was Dave <laughs> Kelly's birthday in Halifax. Yeah, we'd um, we'd been out. We'd got in maybe something like four in the morning. I was on air at six. I was around his house. It was like, right, should we have one more drink? No, nah, probably not because you're on air at six. Okay, well, we'll just sit here a bit. Maybe have 20 minutes, Kip and order a cab. Ordered a cab to Galaxy. Got there. Put the station on. Fine. It was like head candy or something chilled before I started on a Saturday. Put the station on. All right, how you doing? It's Galaxy. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, do you know what? 
this this will all run itself for a minute. You know, it's a pretty decent sweep of like 20 minutes. Everything's really hot. The production's really hot. I'm just going to have a little lie down. <laughs> just a little lie down. You can see where this is going. So it's my intention just to rest my eyes. So I go into the office next door. There was a couch in there. And I just thought, I just, I know what I'm doing. I'll just, just have 20 minutes. I think I woke up about quarter to nine or something. I went, shit, I've slept, I've slept through like uh, for a long time here. Came back in, checked the text. No, nope, nothing. I'd look around. No, nope, no one seems to have noticed. <laughs> Just carried on with the show. Because Galaxy was that hot. If you left it in automation, <laughs> Galaxy powering shows all of this. The only thing that would have been noticeable is there was no news. You know, you would have just heard the news bed for about a minute and a half. Well, that was fine anyway, because that old Galaxy news bed was, was a banger anyway. I was like, it just sounded like, you know, you'd enjoy that without any news on. But that's what we were doing. We were we were living the brand. We were partying hard. But yeah, I should have stayed awake, really. But but no one noticed. It's fine. I, I, I don't know if it says anything about my presentation skills or, or what, but yeah. No one noticed. Well, there's stuff in the testing, testing, testing. The dealer does a lot of work. Well, I'm all for being open-minded, but I'm not all for discussing this live on air. Thank you. We are profoundly uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. So, um, where next after there? So, you're in Yorkshire. Where, where's, yeah. where's the next move? You must have been gutted. Uh, do you know what, Dixie? Like, out of everybody mm. we've spoken to about Galaxy, I've really enjoyed just watching how animated you were about how happy you were being on Galaxy. Oh, it was lovely you know to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it really was. And I, I look back at it, like I said, it was, it, it was a joyous place to be for, for a number of reasons, like we've discussed. The people, for me, was, was the main thing. Hursty was nailing it. Dave Kelly was great. Dan O'Connell, Graham Smith, people like this who I looked up to and everyone had to be on their A game because if everyone else was that good, you also needed to be good. And we all kind of built each other up. Everyone loved each other and it was great. Um, when it came to an end, we knew it was coming. We knew Galaxy was going to be networked, that middle of the day bit. And again, I thought, oh, I'll be all right here because I'm... I'm in, I'm in Yorkshire. I'm already on in Yorkshire, on the big station. I do a network show on the weekends. Nailed this. So when everyone's being called into the offices, you know, we've all been there. People get taken into a room. It's like, okay, you next. And I sat down quite confident, actually. It's like, all right. He <laughs> went, yeah, Dixie, it's, it's not good news, I'm afraid. Oh. I was like, oh, shit, shit. <laughs> I, was really, I was really sad because I loved it there. Like, yeah, you're going to be coming off. It's like, oh, Oh, no. <laughs> a bit teary, I think. But it was like, you know, people were being let go. And I understand, you know, things have to move on. But they um, they said to me, look, you, you've still got a bit of contract to go. So what we what we can do, we can maybe pay you off if you want. Or you can you can stay, see out your contract and do earlies on the network. So there was going to be this, this pre-breakfast kind of show, just an early breakfast thing across Galaxy. And I thought, yeah, actually, I'll do that. Um, not making the Rock FM mistake. I thought, if I take the money and run, I, I might not find anything again. So I'll just stay. And Global had got it at this point. So I was like, oh, I'm making rides with this new company, Global, and see what happens. And I'll stick around. Turns out I never ended up doing it because that's when Real Radio came and knocking. So um, went across across the road, well, across bloody Leeds to get to Real Radio. And I swear to God, can you imagine? Can you imagine going from Galaxy to Real? Yeah. And what, in your head, what that that would be like. I remember going to Real on my first day at Real 
I'd spent the majority of the galaxy days wearing a hoodie, right? And I went into real on my first day and put on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and I tucked it in because I thought, right, this, this is a professional, serious, adult radio station. And it was in comparison to what Galaxy had been. And it was, it was so different. It took me a, a good while to kind of get me head around that. Who was the gaffer at the time then? So that would have been Tony McKenzie had got me in for that. And originally to do Drive, which I enjoyed. The music was slightly different than Galaxy. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> the, the interaction was slightly different than Galaxy. Like on Galaxy, you just say one thing. What are you doing? And you'd have 500 texts, right? At real, you'd be like, hello? Hello. I'll give you that text number again. <laughs> right? It's like... I'm sure people were listening, but they weren't. They weren't interacting with you at the same, like at the same way that they would on Galaxy. But um, yeah, I did drive at Real for a bit, and then they they wanted to put me on breakfast. So Daryl had come off. Um, Gail was on breakfast. They put me and Gail together, um, and we did a pretty decent breakfast show, actually. Um, I, I, th- I think Dixie, I think you're playing that down really. I mean, you did. Um, let's just. I mean, I'm just doing some reading here. Um, Sony Gold breakfast show. Yep. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Arkiva Presenters of the Year. You yes. then get another Sony nomination. Uh, Arkiva nomination Presenters of the Year again. I mean, mm. it, it, was an, it was a good breakfast show, mate. You're playing that right down. Yeah, it was. Um, and I'm trying to put this in the, the best way possible. This is what was going on behind the scenes. When I took breakfast on, I didn't, I was so nervous about doing it and here's why me and the me and the missus had had a conversation now bear in mind we've we're back in yorkshire now we've got a young family so i've got i've got billy who's just been born so my little boy had just been born and she was like you sure you want to go back on breakfast i'm like because um... of this you know rock fm wind up situation where yeah, yeah. it had taken it out of me and i was just miserable and she was like you sure you want to do this and i was like i'm not sure to be honest i'm not sure i can handle that again um and I really did think about it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah, I'll do breakfast, fine. I really, really had to think about it and approached it in a different way to, to how I'd approached the Rock FM thing. So number one, um, I was like, I can't, I can't let this consume my life again. I've got, I've got to set some boundaries. I can't be there till all hours of the day again. I can't let it ruin my life because the Rock FM thing just knocked it out of me completely. I was just a miserable, tired, grumpy, old bastard. I couldn't have that again because I had kids now. I got, you know, I got a wife and kid. I've got to be all right. So I'm like, right, I'll, I'll tread carefully with it. I'll, I'll do it differently. And yeah, we started the show. So Gail was on there. And I, I heard Daryl point this out as well about Gail. She works really, really hard, like really, really intelligent, really creative, knows exactly what she's doing. When she's got an idea, she'll see it through. So being with Gail was a blessing. The chemistry just seemed to work. You know, when we'd chat, it would work really, really well. So that was all solid. The production was solid. It was Jamie Broadbent, who was our producer. We kind of were in the same headspace about the radio we liked and what we wanted to do. Like, I remember listening to him when he was Jamie's student bloke on Chris Evans, like back in the day. I would listen to him on, on the way to school. So all the reference points of what we wanted to do was 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 all there and it all worked. And I think the point I'm trying to make is... It was the consistency, I think. We just did a very solid, funny when it needed to be, 
interactive when it needed to be show. I think we did more or less. We, we went in with the same plan every day. That goes there, that goes there, that goes there, that goes there. Obviously, the content would change, but the benchmarks or the format of how we were doing it was very, very simple. But it just worked. And once, once you've realized, ah, that works, you can put the bells and whistles around it. Do the funny bits here, get whoever you want in at this point. And that's, I think, why our reward entries were so good, because we knew, we knew our format. We knew exactly what fit, and we knew what we could push and what, what would go where. Um, and I listened, I'd listened back to the award entries the other day and it was like, it was really, it was good. It was good. You're right. It was a decent breakfast show. I was playing it down. And when I think about it now, but I was very, very careful not to, not to be hanging on too tight to it, not to be too engaged with it. Cause I, I knew that wasn't good. I knew that wasn't good for my head. That that's what happened at rock. I had different priorities. Now I was a dad. I had to look after myself a bit more. And I think my producer was quite good with that as well because he was like look as long as you're here on time right as long as you're here for six o'clock a bit earlier if you can be please <laughs> so we can maybe craft the teasers of what we're going to do come 10 o'clock you know as long as we're all right planning the next day go and get out because he knew i needed not to be there all the time i'd explain this i'm like i, I can get i get too engaged in it sometimes and i can you know I, it starts to consume me a bit so he was good in that respect. He was very much of the opinion, get out and live your life after 10. So you got something to talk about the next day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the thing. But yeah, we we had some great successes. But yeah, proud moment winning the Sony. That was huge. Still there behind me on my, my wife's shelf here. Um, it, <laughs> oh, it, was, yeah. it just so happens it's right behind me here. I don't know if you're Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Archiva's uh, listening in the sunlight over there. And the GMG Award for Best Breakfast Show has gone so moldy now. I don't know what it's made out of. It's still there somewhere. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time at Real. But obviously, we knew what was coming around the corner. So what, how did you feel when that that beast came around the corner? Because when I was at 210 and that beast was coming around the corner, I, I jumped ship. Right, okay. I went straight to Birmingham, took the opportunity to go to BRMB. Um, so how, how did you feel? I was really excited about it. Were you? Yeah, because I thought, this is great. Okay, what we're going to get here is new new investment, new brand. I I quite liked what I heard coming out of heart. And I know this is a, <laughs> this might be an unpopular opinion, but I, I liked the way it sounded. And I thought, oh, we could do that. Like, that, I, I'm quite happy with that. And in my head, we were always going to be doing breakfast on heart. This is the vibes I was getting. You know, they'll buy it, but they'll want to keep local breakfast shows. We've got Sony's. Have you not heard? Right? So it's like, we'll be okay. Then this ridiculous scenario, which I know loads of us have been through, those two words, hold separate, right? <laughs> Where you know it's going to happen, but you're, then you're in this weird holding pattern for ages. And it didn't happen. And we had two years of just cracking on without any direction, really. We were just treading water. Yeah. The show was quite fun for two years because it was like, you know what? We'll just... We'll just carry on doing what we're doing. There was no real pressure because we were just literally waiting for them to flick it over to heart. As soon as the purchase had gone through and Communicore, that had all happened and they'd got it, we were just waiting. And I was convinced. It never, ever crossed my mind that I wouldn't still be on that show. And it turns out I was right. I was still on that show when Hart took over, but Gail wasn't. And that I wasn't prepared for that bit. I always presumed we, 
as Dixie and Gail would just flip over to heart and that would be that. And it, I remember I, I knew something was wrong. It was a day of meetings again. People were going into rooms and we went into separate rooms and I thought, ah, oh, shit. Well, one of us ain't here now. You know, is it me? Is it Gail? What's happening? And yeah, they told Gail, no, it's not happening. They told me, yeah, it is happening, but you're going to be with somebody else. And that was TBC at that point. It was going to be. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it was, that's horrible. Isn't it? Yeah. And I felt, I felt so bad, so bad for Gail. And she was upset. Look, Gail's gone on to bigger and better things anyway. So I got, I got no worries about Gail. But at that point, I was like, oh, this is really sad. So I had to go through this whole transition period and the heart, all this thing I've been excited about. And it was exciting to be launching a new brand, but it was like, oh, that, yeah. my producer had gone as well. And it was, it was just me now. Um, and we, you know, there was demos about who it was going to be doing the show together. And, you know, it, it was a weird, strange time filled with excitement, filled with nerves. Um, and then, yeah, it turns out me and Emma get together. Me and Emma demoed, um, met at the Village Hotel, like a, like a secret kind of tryst kind of meeting. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Dixie. Who are you? I'm Emma. Um, went, and did, went and did the demo. Um, and that was it. And we launched, we launched breakfast as Dixie and Emma. And that was, that was tough. That was, that was really, really hard because there was a lot of focus on these new heart stations because you know, there was a lot of work to be done and, you know, they were very keen that it wasn't to sound like real radio. It was to sound a bit glossy. It was, it was to sound like heart should sound. And, and those first few weeks and months were really, really hard. You know, in programming, you've got two options, haven't you? Let, let a show get on with it for a few months, let them find their feet or be on top of that show. And you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. It, it, it felt at the start, it was really, really hard. There's a lot of people involved in it trying to go, oh, you should do this. And, Blah, blah, blah. And a lot of conflicting opinions. And for a new show, even though I'd been on that frequency a long time, for a new show, it was hard. It was, it was hard having that pressure and those eyes on you all the time. But time went on. People changed. Me and Emma stayed on, worked with some great people on breakfast. Uh, Laura Busson came in um, at one point who had worked at Radio 1. They would like launched Grimmy and Greg James and worked with Scott. Laura from Laura's Diary and One Night with Laura and all that came in to be my PD and producer. That was a game changer for me because I'd never worked with a producer who worked like Laura. Like she was really hardworking, really creative. I always wanted to know what it'd be like being a Radio 1 presenter and I kind of got it through <laughs> yeah. Laura. We have this little joke. It's like, you know, paint me like one of your French girls. It was like, produce me like a Radio 1 presenter. Uh, and it was... Yeah, it was uh, it was a different kind of vibe. And I think at that point, me and Emma and Laura and another guy called Matty on the team, like another producer at that point, we were we were creating some really good stuff. And actually looking back at that point, when breakfast was flying, figures were good on heart, probably some of the best radio I've ever done, to be fair. It was good. It was funny. Again, it was consistent. People loved it. Yeah, it was a good run while it lasted on breakfast, I think. I have a, a horrible lasting memory of the time that um, 210 changed the heart. And it's it's a story... That all my pals love to share, and I think maybe we tweet it when we uh, we launch Dixie's uh, episode. But the, the the local paper, the Reading Chronicle, came in to take a picture of me and the team in the studio, yeah. and they put it on the front page, which was great. And they put a little, it was quite a small little picture on the front page, but it was good publicity. But unfortunately, 
on the same day that they put that tiny little picture at the top of the paper of me, the headline underneath was Berkshire's worst paedophile has been caught. <laughs> there was no line between me and that headline. It's not what you want, mate. <laughs> it's not, is it? Still got it in your scrapbook, though, yeah? <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Nah. Well, look, and then you're quite a rare breed. I think there's only a handful, Joel, maybe Warren Moore. Um, I can't think of anybody else. who You're still on air now, which is and Stephanie Hurst, of course. Um, mm. You know, incredible. You sound like you're still, you're still loving it. I do. I do love it. Like, I, I was thinking the other day, there is, there's nothing else I've really done in my life. Do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll do nightclubs and I'll host stuff and things like that. But everything I've ever done really has been on the radio. And I've been on the radio for a bloody long time. And it does feel a bit like the Hunger Games sometimes, this industry. Do you know what I mean? I feel that, you know, all, all the people that I've worked with, some of them aren't here anymore, to still be on is great. I don't take that for granted. It's upsetting when I look around and, you know, the office is a bit empty now. But thing, things have changed a lot. The way I approach it, I'm still excited to go on the radio every day. I'm still enjoying what I do. And look, it's playing records and talking and having a bit of a laugh. Do you know what I mean? Once you've accepted that in your head, that's all it is. It's, it's you know what I mean? Let's, let's not read too much into it. It's, it's all right. It's, it's not the hardest job in the world, is it? <laughs> well, do you know what, Dixie? This uh, has been one of my favourite episodes. You've, um, oh, it's very kind. I started by saying, have we ever met? I can't remember meeting. And uh, perhaps at the EMAPs, when we were both extremely hammered, we might have done. Uh, yes. But it's, uh, you, you've made me want to come round to Yorkshire to come to Rotherham, dip my toe in that place and, and go for a beer with you. So thank you so much for your time. Anytime, mate. More than welcome. And we get Russ Morris to come along. Do you know, I have got, I was driving in um, just ahead of your episode and I thought of a new feature, which Simon, who's the brains behind this outfit, would probably kick me in the balls for doing this. But my, my new idea is that we ask the guest, that's you, who you would like to hear on Crunch and Roll. Um, Big John would be a good one. I don't know if you've approached Big John. Um, <laughs> this is what makes me laugh. You listen to everybody's chats on, on these podcasts that you do. And it's like, if you've got Big John on, tell us about your career. Went to Hallam FM. Yeah. Stay there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your time, John. Good night. You know what I mean? But he, he'll have some great stories and I'd, I'd like to see where his head's at. Like, he's been there that long. Because when you think about what everybody's done in that time span, he's still on there. He's huge. Dave Kelly as well. Good mate of mine who's in the Caymans at the moment. Not on a tax dodge. No. Not on a tax dodge. <laughs> now, as always, Dixie, we get our guests to read the outros. I'm guessing you've done, you've done voiceover stuff. You've done lots of voiceover stuff, haven't you? Yeah, I think Playmobil was my greatest work. Um, <laughs> you want to find that. I'm really good at that. <laughs> Can you do it in the Playmobil style, please? That'd be amazing. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. Right, here we go. You've been listening to Crunch and Roll with me, Dixie. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app to get every new episode as soon as they drop. Crunch and Roll is a 969 Media production presented by John Fox and produced by Simon Borowski. Available now. <laughs> yes, amazing. Oh, yeah. Everybody that works at Rock always mentions the ghost of Rock FM. Did you experience the ghost of Rock FM? Might have done. <laughs> the uh, music production bit where they, they do the music for the adverts, there's a big keyboard in there. A guy called Damien used to work in what I think was the crypt. So that was like, you know, if it was if there was going to be a ghost, it was going to be in there. I didn't like going in there by myself 
when it was dark because people people had said certain things about you know things they've experienced oh it went really cold when I went in there whatsoever so I wouldn't go in there by myself we did hear some strange noises from the roof once uh, after some kind of like party or something at the station but it wasn't a ghost it was a presenter and a newsreader which I can't name on here um <laughs> There was something going on upstairs. And then two of them came down and were like, all oh, right, it's not a ghost. But um, someone was still getting the willies up and putting it that way. Hey! 